Ye sportsmen all, both great and small, pay heed to what I say, and excuse my want of eloquence to chant this roundelay. In praises of a comrade youth, brave Macklin is his name, from Crehan town of high renown, that place of noted fame. The armor boys, they did devise a bullet match to tie, and challenged our young hero, the truth I'll ne'er deny. He willingly consented, oh, and on him we did call, against the boasted martyr to roll the metal ball. Here, it was on a Saturday afternoon in the year of eighty six, on the twenty fourth day of July that this game then was fixed. These heroes twin I do maintain to throw they didn't begin a three-mile heat for fifty pound for which of them would win. Twas at the bridge hill the butt was made for to commence to play when Macklin he threw off his coat, his heart was light and gay. The bullet had come down the road like the roar of a cannonball. The shouts and cries did rend the skies from bogmen one and all. <laughs> commonplace now to say that road bowls or bullets are played in Cork and Armagh. Indeed, ever since Peter Hammerman Donnelly of Armagh played what you might call the first big official Armagh Cork match with Tim Delaney of Cork in 1928 here in Armagh, All-Ireland championships between Armagh and Cork have gone from strength to strength, so that names like Mick Barry and Dennis Scully of Cork and Danny McParland and Harry Toll of Armagh are household names in both counties. Indeed, too, there is now a further dimension, an international one. Last year, the fourth international was played in Yever, Germany, between teams from Holland, Germany, Cork and Armagh. And we are looking forward to the next international in Cork in 1977, wouldn't surprise me if the London Irish, who also play the game over a road in Dagenham in Essex, wouldn't surprise me if they fielded a team as well. Father Raymond Murray of Armagh, whose researches into the history of road bowls or bullets, revealed that the game used to be played not only in the two counties where it flourishes today, but also in many other Irish counties, Waterford, Tipperary, Kerry, Clare, Galway, Cavan, Monaghan, Tyrone, Down, Carlow, Wexford. For instance... The famed folklorist Patrick Kennedy in his booklet 
Evenings in the Duffery, published in 1869, tells the story of youths in County Wexford who bowled along the highway on Sunday, being made stand outside the chapel gate with the road bullets and slings around their necks. And they were made do so by the priest, who scolded them for dangerous play and for giving scandal to neighbours and giving scandal to Protestants by breaking the Sabbath. And I remember Aiken McClelland of the Coltra Folk Museum telling me about coming across references to bullets in the minutes of her Presbyterian church record in, in Drumbeg near Lisbon. Well, there are many other references too in other books. Uh, the Reverend W.J. Dowsley, you may have heard of his incomparable story of Old Tipperary and Waterford, a book called Travelling Men, a tale packed with old customs and sayings. And in that book, a Clonmel boy says, The great game on Sundays was bowling along the country roads, and that toughened your arm muscles finely. Then you have a way back even farther still. You have other interesting references. Dean Swift makes a reference to the sport in 1728 in his poem, A Pastoral Dialogue. When you saw Taddy at long bullets play, you sat and load him all the sunshine day. In that same year, 1728, the Reverend Philip Skelton told how he was injured when a bullet hit a stone on the road. Here's what he says. I was taken out of my bed by three or four companions and hurried out to a play called in the north of Ireland Long Bullets. On that day I received a blow with a three-pound ball just over my left eye. This flattened the projecting part of my skull, which together with the extreme abstinence and large evacuations necessary to prevent fever, greatly shattered an excellent constitution. And uh, interesting too, uh, Wright's book, The Brontes in Ireland, uh, talks about the uncles of the Brontes in action. Every ounce of elastic force in the great muscular frame was called into action, and there was a profusion of strange, strong language that, le- that literally made our flesh creep and our hair stand on end. It's this spot, this spot down here in Westcock. The bowling here, then there's another committee under the Westcock region. There's 14 clubs in the Westcock Bowling Association. There's Caravola, Skull, Baldy Hub, Affidown, The Mash Road, Drina, uh, Dernas Arthur, Lip, Lachine, and uh, Carmore, Cara. I don't know how many I've gone to now. <laughs> That's a, there's a fair number anyhow. Then. Yeah. Yeah. There's 14 there all together anyway. Was that a good shot, Jay? It was very good. Well, it was unlucky at the finish up, but it's very good. It's average. Good average shot. Yeah. Now, this particular score we're at, 
Jerry, is it a very important one? Well, it's uh, it's a third round score of the uh, McCardles holds the junior championship. It's between Sean Oliver and uh, Mulligy McCreesh. Mulligy McCreesh won the Ulster title, junior title. There's one going now, pass. Yeah, very good. That's a good shot. That's Oliver's second ball. Mm. He's into the ditch there. Oh, yeah. around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Got a good rub off the, the dig. It's a normal sort of thing now on a Sunday morning walking yes. out like this after the score uh, following yes, it and, and yes. uh, putting a few bob on it oh, then as well that's correct every Sunday morning after mass well could yes. you tell us about the money going on it there there's a lot of it now I don't understand Jerry. would you understand it well the bet on, on practically every shot providing that the tips are close enough for the bet on you know and uh, the lay if a man is 10 yards in front of the other man well Becker's lay 10 yards on that front man that he, that he maintains his lead mm-hmm. by the, the 10 yards. How about a party done in sport? How about a party done in sport? That'll help. How about a party done in sport? How about a party done in sport? How about a party done in sport? Hey, Hazard. All the followers here in West Cork, they're game to gamble their shirt. <laughs> They've known the day of the five on the ten. That's a thing of the past. It's just a, well, you can bet so many ways. They bet on the score. If they're losing, they bet on the, if the opposition. If he's rising odds, we say a ball of odds, or two balls of odds. They bet again on the ball of odds. Maybe five or ten pound. Maybe twenty. Maybe thirty. So the, it's more of a gambling sport than anything else, especially down here. Give Julian Rani sixty pound here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what about the rent money? The rent money this week. <laughs> 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 no, what head? Yeah. You'll have to pay the taxes. Why? What about the, 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 the government? Huh? What about the government? They'll have to be paid too. Dini, what do you think? Full on receiver to help me. Yeah. One. I think you've eleven there. Two, three, four, five, six, and five eleven. Twelve pounds. And a move aboard. A last pound for board. The very last pound. Oh, boys, don't get in your pocket. A last pound for board. A last pound. Right. Twelve pounds. Twelve pounds. Twelve pounds now. Diggy Bork. Yeah. What's all the man? Peter Daly. Peter Daly. Oh, you're going to call us. Are you going to... Right. How do you call? call? I call oh. head. Come on, we would not. Diggy Bork wins the toss. No, I don't. No, it's other man Though confined more or less nowadays to Armagh and Cork, Bullets or Road Bowls has a huge following in both those counties and in certain parts at a variety of venues can be the principal weekend sporting event. In Armagh, at least, it has already attracted its own historians. Father Raymond Murray, for example, whom we heard earlier, tells how the game originated. Edward Wakefield, writing in his book An Account of Ireland, Statistical and Political, in 1812, suggests that it was introduced from England. He says, A class sprung from English progenitors, whose descent may be traced in their features, language and names. These last delight in the recreations of the country which give birth to their forefathers, and in this they are joined by the descendants of the Scotch 
horse racing, cock fighting and bull baiting, therefore are the favourite amusements. They play also at long bullets, a game much practised by the weavers. When they intend amusing themselves, they assemble in great numbers and select for the scene of action the most level roads. The ball is of lead and it weighs six pounds. He who hurls it the greatest distance in the fewest throws, making it roll along the ground, is declared victor. Well, the answer may be there, that the game came in with the big revolution in the linen trade, probably in the 18th century. There are traditions of variations of the game, of course, in Scotland and Wales too. But wouldn't it be funny to think that this English game, if you like, has survived in Ireland? That the boys of Cork and Armagh are more English than the English themselves? And that the Irish lads in Dagenham are carrying bullets back to England? There are long traditions of the game in Armagh too. We can go back over the big champions of the decades. Danny McParland, the gun from Bridget's Hill, and the two tolls, Harry and Aidan, dominating the 60s and 70s. Joe McVeigh, Pat Coulter, Eddie McCoy in the 40s and 50s. And all of these, of course, and lesser heroes too, sung in praise and ballads. They played on two McCready's With still a shot in hand Oh, little did they think that Joe had met his bogeyman. For Coulter smashed the record with a gallant breakaway and brought home the Ulster title to the banks of Plunkett's Bay. Peter Hammerman Donnelly, a wonderful athlete, dominated the 1930s. He was a nervous type and never proved his worth against the Cork men, but he was one of Armagh's greatest. Jim Mackle, or Toots Macklin, as he was known, took the crown for the Mill Row boys in the 1920s, his big rival being John Dara. Dan Gribben and Jim Smith, men in their 80s now, still with us, uh, dominated the First World War years. But the greatest score of all time, I suppose, the greatest score to catch the imagination, was the bullet match between Jim Macklin of Crehan, the country lad, versus Hugh Murta O'Neill of the town, played on the Moy Road for £50 on the 24th of July, 1886. The day was fine along the line, the men in groups did stand, Young Macklin, he came forward with the spirit of a man. His aspects, they were charming, and good spirits bloomed within. Says he, my boys, throw down your bets, for the laurels I will win. He did win, and I suppose he was the greatest. So every man take a glass in hand And drink a toast with me Long life attend you, Macklin Wherever you may be For you have caused them armor boys To sleep with an easy mind For before the score was over They were half a mile behind 
Well, Macklin is a myth to a certain extent. He did play, but many tales are told about Macklin and how he played. But Macklin he was noted. He was a, 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 an athlete, just a natural, a natural athlete, and he was noted to vault over two horses that was used in the plough just to get a drink at a public house. He also was noted to jump back roads over the locks at the canal in Blackwater Town. He also was noted to play this for famous score against mortar, and that was played on the Moy Dungannon Road, the Armagh Moy Dungannon Road. And uh, uh, many songs are sung about that particular score. And many feats are credited to Mackle, which ordinary people that don't live in the area or the locality would think that it was just, as the countryman says, a bit of a brannigan. Tom McBride, you're a nephew, I believe, of the famous Macklin, the bullet thrower. Yes, I'm a nephew, yes. And, uh, oh, he was a great athlete. He could have nearly have done anything in the line of running and jumping and playing bullets. He followed the hounds and he could cross the country. He had no call to look for roads, they tell me. And uh, he lived across here and down the hill over there, Crayon Hill, the back side of it there. That's where he The best man that ever came, that ever threw a bowl, was Patsy Murphy. He came from this area, Waterloo, Bellygibbon. And he threw a bowl, he threw a laugh below on the cock exhibition in 1904, and he threw it in 1988, and he threw it under four yards. When did, when and Mick Barry or him never could come near that. When did the bowl start around here now? The bowl started around here, uh, way back, uh, I believe, that was the British soldiers buying the bowl ping in here, in Ireland first. British Army, you mean? British Army. And, um, well, they took up the sport around here then, and then when, all, when the Irish fellas got into it then and took over, the British didn't try to stop it because the Irish fellas were too good from all. <laughs> and they tried to stop it in. And they got the RAC and they got everyone to stop it all over the country. And now it's supposed to be still an illegal game. But it's not now well, we're allowed to play on it anyway now. Is it an association now? Like? And we're organised now. And we've, we've, we've great scores and great, great, great crowd following and great money invested in, in, in their own men. A good bowler or bullet thrower has to be athletic, fit and strong, if only because of the 28-ounce weight of the bowl and the method of throwing. Dermot Hicks, another historian of the game, author of Road Bowls in Armagh. There are many variations of roads of uh, bowls, whether on an ordinary bowling green, although this is much different, much more physical, and uh, of course a different class of people, you might say, play this road bowls. Around Armagh, it's played out, or used to be played out, the Moy Road, uh, in my own time anyhow. Well, C- Could you tell us how it is played, in fact? 
Well, the Armagh players play a different style from the cork throwers in that Armagh throw what's known as underarm as opposed to the cork bowlers uh, overarm. The Armagh players have a large run, then they hurl themselves forward and throw from a semicircular angle coming from above their head to their knee and then they let the bowl go as soon as their feet hit the ground using their whole body to propel the bullet forward. The cork throwers have a very short one up about two or three foot and they wind their arm like a windmill and they throw high. This is um, explained in that the, the roads in cork have not been as good as they are my roads and the cork throwers like to get their bowl as far in the air without touching the ground as possible as they find it much more to their advantage. Well, there's three different weights in the bowling, in the bowl itself. There's a 16 ounce, that would be roughly for the under 14s. They don't use it now, I think. And there's a 24 ounce, that was for the under 16s a few years ago. And there's a 28 ounce. That's the 28 ounce they bowl with all around West Cork and in Armagh. That's the only bowl like, that we bowl here with. The light bowls are gone off the market. Where is it made? Up in Hall Bowl and in Cork, I think. But we get them here locally in the village. Are many lost during scores? Uh, it depends on roads. Like some roads now you'd lose a lot of balls where there'd be no fence if there was bushes or anything growing or into a bog or anything. But locally the committee had down them all the time so they don't lose too many. But a lot of the roads now have been straightened out and the surfaces have been changed. Oh, well, is, is there as much skill needed nowadays as there was no, say, 50 say. years ago? Oh no, oh no. Because 50 years ago like there was no tar in the roads, they had to bowl in the rough road, you know, before it was tarred, it was all potholes and heaps, heaps of stones. You'd have to take a ball, laugh the ball 70 yards to get into a point, like to make a point, whereas you few of them today can laugh 70 yards. What's the best laugh nowadays? What's the championship uh, mark? Well, I'd say on the ball coming ahead and make Barry is the top, I think he's something around 78 yards or something. What do you think of the arm ass style of bowling? The underarm style? I see him, but I think. Uh, they're very low, like, you know, the underhand. But still, they're pretty good to bowl. McParland there, I see him a few times, and Aidan Toll, and Maliki McRish, I think they're very good. But would you not get more power with the, the overhand? Well, uh, some of the overhands here, uh, like Johnny Creedenauer, Mick Barrier, Dennis Gully, they're just, they're every bit as fast as the Amalads, but the Amalads are very fast, like. It's between them, it is roughly, I'd say. Patsy McCoy of Armagh would agree with Danny O'Donovan of Drina that improvements in road surfaces may have had an influence on bowling styles. Yes, there's a new tarmac carpet on the road at the moment, not like the old uh, Flintstone. The Flintstone made a hard surface, and the road player of yesterday had the, the good road surface that the road got good life out of, the bowl got good life out of, and it uh, left good speed on the bowl. Uh, nowadays, with this tar carpet, it is pockmarked for to give good grip for motor cars. This kills the speed of the bowl as it runs across the road. Also, the new road of today is very much gluttered with traffic. The old road of yesterday, very seldom a motor car came along. So therefore, the road players and the road followers had all these roads to themselves. Today, now, the main roads 
no bowls are played on, played on them. They are put onto mostly side roads. And indeed, the bowl followers are guilty if they, uh, with the new modern transport, have taken their cars to these particular games and indeed blotting up their own particular field of play, so to speak. In Cork, the great man of myth and legend in bowling is Mick Barry, mentioned more than once already. Undisputed Munster champion for years and many times All-Ireland champion, he is an obviously dedicated man and still at the top when most men would have been long since retired. At the moment I'm 56, so at 17 I was a senior player, competing with the best at the time and uh, keeping up with them and beating them. And um, I realised that that time that to be a good player one needed to do certain things and refrain from doing certain other things Uh, number one I felt that one had to be a teetotaler smoking seemed to be out also and uh, a certain amount of practice diligent practice not over practice or anything like that in order to become a good player. I realised that I had the ability to be a good player because uh, I had heard so many people talking about the way I played and everything that I realised that I must have some potential and in order to develop it I uh, made a careful study of players whom I knew and uh, found out that players who were inclined to be overindulgent with liquor or smoking weren't able to stand up to the pace so that was the first step and by the time I was 20 I was at the top of the ladder uh, and at f- 56 I'm still, You're in, still there. I'm still at the top of the <laughs> yeah. ladder but um, I just don't know why I suppose I was endowed with certain things that maybe other people haven't endowed with I possibly was one of those people whom you could claim was a Barden bowl player, similar to Christy Ring, who was a Barden hurler, similar to, we'd say, um, uh, Ali, who was mm-hmm. a Barden boxer, and who were all dedicated to their own game, and I became, and, and am still, a very dedicated bowl player. Have the roads changed much since you started bowling oh, first, Mick? Considerably, considerably. Uh, when I started bowl playing, we had all what we call dirt roads, uh, I refer to it while ago as limestone roads, and uh, it was a, a game that uh, required an awful lot of accuracy because in the winter time, uh, sheets of stones were put out to, re- to replace old worn parts of the road, and you had to be able to put a bowl in between the sheets of stones. Uh, at the present time, no. Some of us, some of us, were quite capable of doing that, and uh, uh, it looked it looked as if we monopolised the game at that time, and we did because the less less uh, the less endowed players that we call them, uh, who hadn't the same amount of strength or the same loft or the same anything. They weren't just able to compete with us. Now make Barry, who was the greatest the game had ever seen. They said he was invincible and forby that evergreen. 
Bottom down to the young MacFarlane went to test his skill and try to take the trainer cup back to St. Bridges Hill. In the past, Arma bullet throwers in particular have laboured under a certain disability. The game, played over a three-mile stretch of road, can be dangerous to traffic and to spectators alike, and it has been and is against the law. But the law may not always be enforced. Dermot Hicks. Well, all uh, games on the public highway are illegal, so road bowls was to be made no exception. And many of the present-day champions remember being chased off the road or being hauled up in front of the court and fined ten shillings the score would be abandoned at the site of a police car and the spectators would flee across the fields and ditches. The bullet then would be confiscated and anyone found would be fined. But this has died out. I think it, during the, the 1930s, the Depression era, the, the, the men spent much of their time out on the road due to lack of work and the courts became lenient with them because of the hard times and there hasn't been a prosecution I believe since the 1930s and in fact it has all become highly respectable now I notice accounts there in the local papers of the scores and championships being held and all that sort of thing well at the start road bowl bullet throwers were unpopular well, not unpopular but there were men who gambled a lot on the score and at the time it was not a respectable uh, sport to be involved in at all. But gradually there was a, an association formed on Bowl Common in 1952. This is an Armagh, This is an Armagh. The Cork Association had been going, I believe, before that. And then the Armagh men decided to form themselves into an association. And gradually they uh, set up the different grades for throwing in the senior, the junior and the juvenile and there was prize money and sponsorship and respectability gradually followed this. Though not all bowlers belong to and bowl common, the game in both Armagh and Cork has now progressed from the Sunday morning after mass type of improvisation into a highly organised sport. Mick Barry. It was very nice that uh, this organisation uh, like bowl common and our northern counterparts, it was very necessary that to organise it, a committee would be uh, formed for to look after the affairs and to see that everything was carried out in a proper order. After all, every other sport is organised in the same way and you have a committee to look after the affairs of the different sports and why not a committee to look after the affairs of bowl playing? Mm. And then there's a there's a fair amount of money to put on the, the players, isn't there, in this there, part of the country? There is. And an armada too. Oh yes, of course, mm. I know. But uh, that doesn't interfere with the playing in any way. It, it's a healthy sign, I think, for to see players and supporters going out and each side backing their own men and uh, may the best men win. That's the way it should be. And uh, there are no ill feeling. There's no ill feeling or no bad blood or anything at all. It's just taken, and that's it. Would you have your own supporters all down through the years, make people who would back you all the time? Uh, well, unfortunately, quite a few of them are gone to the other side 
I'm afraid since I started. But I have a, a very consistent number of backers from my early days who are still with me. But uh, if everybody who wanted to back me was allowed to back me, then I'm afraid uh, uh, nobody could compete against me as a guy's money anyway. The big occasion for bowlers each year is the All-Ireland Championship, played in the last few years at any rate, on a Cork road around the last Sunday in August. Before the present troubles in the north, however, Championship scores have been played every second year in Armagh, and the Corkman, whoever he was, usually brought a formidable reputation with him. The visit of a Corkman uh, uh, is always a, a big occasion around Armagh because from way back in yesterday, there's a myth about the Corkman, just something similar to if a man come from Mars. The <laughs> Corkman is uh, somebody different, something, there's different tales told about laughing a hundred yards onto a threepenny bit or a sixpenny piece, over corners very high and uh, clearing the road. This myth goes with the Corkman. However, this last while, Armagh players have indeed taken games from the Corkman and the myth is somewhat dying. There are stories too about uh, feats of going to Cork in the old days. Yes, I can mind an old man that used to live in this particular townland by the name of Andy Cuse, who was a great follower of the bowl player and an interesting man to listen to. And he told me in uh, way back in the year 1900 there was a a player in Armagh known as the Hammerman Corn, and he did play a Corkman in Armagh who was a member of the British Army and stationed in Armagh at the particular time. And this game took place on the Belfast Road, Forty Down Armagh, Forty Down Road. Unheard of for a game to be played even over this last 25 years on this particular road, and indeed to play the return score. This man had to travel to Cork in the year 1900 and it took him three days going and three days coming home again. This year, on last Sunday in fact, the All-Ireland Championship was played on the Ballyshonine Road 12 or 13 miles northwest of Cork City between the veteran Mick Barry and a much more useful opponent from Armagh, John Gribben. In this game there's a certain amount of luck attached to it and getting the breaks, you never know... Uh, would like to think that I would do fairly well. How do you feel about the Cork Roads? Um, the Cork Roads in general don't suit us very well, but I would say this particular road here at Ballyshonin um, would suit us the best of the Cork Roads. Mick Barry is a formidable man to beat any time. Do you think you'll beat him now today? Well, he's certainly a formidable man to beat. And, uh, um, with getting the brakes and a bit of luck, which all runs with this game. I certainly think that I'll give him a run for his money. The money, however, was mostly on Barry, and he started a strong favourite. As Flower Crowley, chairman of Anbolcommon, said... Yes, he is a strong favourite, sir, and it is quite understandable that he should be that, seeing that he is going for his ninth senior All-Ireland final today against John Gribbon, who has never been a senior until 1975. So the the odds on Barry are about two to one, or well, I would say that more. they might they might even be five to one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would personally classify Barry 
as the greatest man who ever played bowls. He has been a senior player since 1939. That was probably before John Griffin was born. And every year from 1939 to 1975, he has been the supreme player, not only in Cork, but in all Ireland. And even at 56 or thereabouts, he can still win in All-Ireland? 56 plus, he can plus. still win in All-Ireland, and I think he will too. If it's even money, it's no good. Uh, if it's a bowl, it's no good. It's going to be two. Why not? Two bowls of odds? Two bowls of odds, yeah, look at the difference in the two men. Oh, I don't know. I'm only saying he, sh- he could be there. I but the two, the two bowls of odds might give us a chance. Oh, no. What are you going to lay me? Eleven pegging a tenner. Oh, God, no. Oh, but you have a good man. You're a good man, aren't you? No, uh, and listen, we may have a good man in the north, but he's not near as hard as Mike Barry. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I will manage getting old now. I will manage getting old. Oh, but we're all getting old. Five, five, two, one. Look up, look up, look up. Hey, come on with that. Well, what do you think of it at this stage, Flower? Well, what I said at the beginning holds more so now than it is even then because at the moment Barry is forging ahead very steadily. He is playing well, playing accurately, playing with his usual great force. Much more force than Gribben has and it looks at the moment as if Barry will have an easy win. Watch it all, lad. That's not such a good one. He didn't play the mark there. Well, Gribben now, with a bit of luck, could uh, come up again now. He could, yeah, yeah, he could. Coming up to the halfway stage now, Flora. Uh, approximately the halfway, yes. And, and at the moment, Barry has made two mistakes, <laughs> just made two mistakes, but so has Toll. Gribben, I'm sorry, Gribben. Uh, he had the opportunity of coming level, he lost that opportunity, and I'm, my considered opinion is that he might not get another opportunity. And uh, it was very serious thing for Gribben to have lost the chance he was given, because it's not like Barry to give away too many chances. Eight to five we beat. Ten pound and five we beat. Ten pound and five we beat. Eight to five we beat. Eight pound and five we beat. Eight pound and five again. Ten pound and five we beat. Eight to five we beat. Eight pound and five we beat. Eight pound and five we beat. I mean eight to five we beat. Aidan, what do you think of it now? What are the chances? It looks bad now. It looks bad for our mouth. You don't think he can make it from here? I would have got the road to Susan. And uh, they, 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 every chance they got. Barry must, Barry must increase his lead from here home. 
So you got, you got every chance. You got every chance of leading in the score. Uh, Griffin got the chance. He did, yes. Couldn't have, didn't have available. That was a terrific shot of Barry's, though, the oh, last oh, one. Yeah. Them lost yeah. four. Three was coming into the wood. Them lost four was terrible, four terrible, desperate shots. He must increase his lead from here home because just imagine, I, 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 just imagine, I had a favour, just saw it coming into the wood. Kevin's throw a favour! Come from here to the fucking hole. Kevin's throw a favour! Well, Barry's playing very well. He's. As good as ever he was. Yeah. He is very consistent there too in his shots, apart from a couple of mistakes. And still has plenty of speed. But that's the great thing, yes. I believe, the speed and the power well, it behind the shots. It takes him out of trouble. The speed takes him out of trouble. Of our man, Susie, as well. I would say it's sort of a dying effort, but he, uh, Griffin did have a good throw there. But it's not going to change the result very much because uh, Barry has now a good deal over two bowls of ours. That means he's at this particular point in almost three throws less than Griffin. And with one shot to go, well, that's in any language, that's the score is over, the competition is over. Well, that's Barry's last throw. He's gone beyond the line. He's won the score, won it by close and three votes of odds. He's nine time All Ireland senior champion. There was great force in that one, oh, too. Oh, force. He's playing stronger now at the end than he did at the start which is a wonderful test of a man's stamina and endurance. He said it has been a long, long drawn-out competition in heavy heat in a big crowd, but Barry hasn't failed at all. He's still as strong, in fact, stronger than he was at the very start. And if ever we have a man to do the same again, well, he will be a unique character in the history of old time. Now make Barry, who was the greatest the game had ever seen. They said he was invincible and for by that evergreen. But undaunted young MacParlan went to test his skill and try to take the trainer cup back to St. Bridges Hill. Now when Danny and his followers arrive near Dublin Hill, the cork men saw them coming and got ready for the kill. We lay you odds of two to one or five to two, they said. 
for the beaten of our Mickey boy is not in Cork today.